0: I am Andrea Butcher, and this is Being at Work. Being a leader is hard. So, on this show, I set out to talk with experienced leaders to learn from their pivotal moments, how they led through the challenges we can all relate to, but are often unheard. Today's guest leads his organization with a clear mission. Brandon Brown is the CEO at The Mind Trust, an Indianapolis based education nonprofit. As CEO, Brandon leads the Mind Trust's groundbreaking work to provide every Indianapolis student the opportunity to attend an excellent school. The Mind Trust accomplishes this vision by incubating new schools, supporting existing schools, and engaging the community. Prior to his role as CEO, Brandon oversaw the Mind Trust's three education incubators as Senior Vice President for Education Innovation. And before he joined the Mind Trust, he served for three years. As the city of Indianapolis's charter schools director under Mayor Greg Ballard, as charter schools director from 2012 to 2015, Brandon oversaw 35 charter schools and 4 turnaround schools, serving nearly 15,000 students. Brandon replaced the founder of the Mind Trust when he joined the organization, and over the last few years, he's learned a lot about balancing institutional history while influencing change. In other words, he's learned how to replace a founder while honoring the rich history of the organization. During our conversation today, he'll share three specific things that supported his experience. Check it out.
1: I started my career as a ninth grade English teacher on the south side of St. Louis. Uh, so I taught uh, freshman English and it was the most transformative experience of my life. I Grew up on the south side of the city, went to good public schools, had a lot had a lot of privileges just because of where I lived and i it just hit me when I became a teacher in St. Louis that I had these brilliant kids and they had just all the talent in the world, but they lacked the same opportunities that I had and you know I learned a lot about the education system in America and learned that right now there's not any sort of equality of opportunity when it comes to ensuring that all of our kids regardless of their skin color or their zip code have access to a great education and it just hit me that there were major systemic barriers that were holding my kids back and it really made me angry and it made me commit my life to making sure that I was you know doing all that I could to work at the system level to really start uh, to transform the education system for Kids who need it the most. So I left the classroom and got married actually to a seventh grade math teacher and convinced her to come back to Indianapolis with me, even though she was from North Carolina. Uh, she probably thought it would just be for a couple of years, but here we are. And I worked in a variety of roles. Um, you know, so as you said earlier, I was the charter schools director for the city from 2012 to 2015. When the mayor chose not to run for, His third term in 2015, I was ready for a new opportunity and joined the Mind Trust in 2015, and have been here now for several years uh, and was just honored to become the CEO uh, just over two years ago and uh, have been serving in this role ever since.
0: That's great. Well, congrats on that new opportunity. It sounds like a pretty natural transition from Charter School's director to the Mind Trust. There was probably a strong partnership you had, I would suspect. Given the work you were doing,
1: yeah. So really, since 2010, um, have have had the opportunity to work very closely with the Mind Trust, and you know, the work of trying to transform the education system has been really a 20-year effort that probably began in 2001, uh, and then was accelerated in 2006 when the Mind Trust was launched. Uh, and really, since, since uh, 2006, there has been a very methodical approach to ensuring that we have very talented individuals who have the you know kind of real skill sets and the vision to change kids' lives to ensure that they have the resources and the support to really launch new initiatives and the mind trust has been at the center of that and since 2006 we've raised about 120 million dollars to directly support the work in schools across Indianapolis
0: well, and I, I didn't realize that you started as an English teacher, how cool it is. I mean, you've, so you've got some real experiences that drive the passion behind what you do every day. You saw it firsthand.
1: Yeah. And, you know, just saw firsthand the brilliance of my students and the unbelievable potential that they had. But there is, you know, a system that they're working within and there are just massive inequities that we have in all systems in society. Uh, but a lot of those are really amplified in the K-12 education system. And I was able to, you know, think about the education that me and my family received and all of the opportunities that we had. And I realized that those same opportunities are not distributed evenly across our country. And that's in particularly true for low income students and students of color.
0: So you are doing your part to fix that, that big issue. Trying to. <laughs> Well, and I know so when you joined the Mind Trust, you uh you you replaced the founder of the organization, which has been a really interesting leadership experience for you. I I know when when you and I talked initially about you being a guest, like that was the pivotal moment in your career that that you wanted to share some insights around. So I'm looking forward to diving into that today and learning more about that experience.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. It was uh so if you so if you think about the Mind Trust, so I Think that the MindTrust has a pretty good brand when it comes to work around K-12 education, but you know, really from 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 2006 to you know probably 2016-2017, we in many ways were still operating like a startup, and you know had one leader the entire time, which was absolutely phenomenal. Um, at the same time, though, you know the challenge that I was presented with is how do you help transition an organization from a startup? to a more enduring organization. And, you know, it's been a challenge to try to, you know, really figure out how do you honor the rich history of the organization, while also, you know, really making strategic changes to ensure that the organization is able to mature over time.
0: Right. So it's like holding true to some of those foundational principles that got the organization to that point, but then also helping to transition to the next level. So as you reflect now, Brandon, what are, what are the key things that emerge for you? How do you do
1: that? <laughs> I think I'm still learning.
0: <laughs> Aren't we all? all yeah. Us?
1: <laughs> so uh, you know, at least at least from my experience, what was what was really great was, you know, I, I I was able to join the organization in 2015 and was able to work under a leader who really valued me and really valued just intentionally providing me with opportunities. And it wasn't really apparent to me at the time, but it's relatively apparent now, that for about two or three years, I was presented with opportunities to uh, to learn and to grow and to really expand my influence in the organization. And in retrospect, it's because at the time we had a CEO who I think was maybe not vocalizing that that he was ready to transition, but was really thinking proactively around trying to set up his organization for success long-term.
0: So did you know coming in that that there was an opportunity to become the successor to the CEO
1: nope,
0: you did not, okay, so that wasn't that wasn't uh, talked about at that time.
1: no, it wasn't david Harris is is you know in many ways viewed as synonymous with the mind trust, and you know I think a, I think a lot a lot of us in the education reform space could have never envisioned him leaving his job. You know, so my driving force has always been, how do I make the most impact and how do I do it working for people that I really enjoy and can really believe in? So it was, you know, an incredible honor just to join the Mind Trust, but never would have thought that in three years after joining, I would have been asked to become the CEO.
0: Okay. So you didn't realize that at the time, but you said, you know, looking back now, like, working under a leader who valued you so much, that that obviously did a lot for your confidence and for your engagement and for you really connecting with the organization and where it was going.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it was one of those things, too, where, you know, it it wasn't really apparent to me at the time, but it was, you know, it's very apparent now that there were very intentional things that he did to really make sure that I was ready for this job. And I think looking back on it, there were very intentional things that he did with the board to, you know, I think effectively communicate what, what his transition timeline might look like. And I think that he just took it upon himself to make sure that he was nurturing the new leader of the organization. And he did it, you know, in a very thoughtful way where I was in rooms where I probably shouldn't have been in and, you know, was kind of leading conversations that weren't specific to my job description. But really over time, I was able to build the external relationships that then helped make the actual transition pretty natural.
0: So he gave you experiences and opportunities to help with the transition. He had the foresight to realize, okay, I need to engage Brandon in some of these some of these meetings that you may not have been thinking of.
1: You know, kind of a broader challenge associated with that transition too. So not only was, you know, he looking to transition from his role, but he was transitioning into a role where he would become a major funder of the organization. And would be transitioning to a seat on the board. So another just really key thing that happened during the transition was we had a series of conversations before this happened where we were both able to lay out our expectations for what an effective transition would look like. And it wasn't just his transition or you know him him trying to to say what his expectations were for me, but it was really, in large part me trying to lay out my non-negotiables for what I thought the transition should look like. And it was that, you know, kind of open, transparent series of conversations that really set the tone for what our work in relationship would be afterwards.
0: Yeah. Give us a little more insight into those conversations. So you you talked about laying out expectations. There was a lot of openness. There was a lot of transparency. What kind of expectations did you set? How How did you structure that? And how did you map that out?
1: Yeah. So if you think about a nonprofit that, you know, usually has to raise about 15 or 16 million dollars a year, and the founder and the long-term CEO was going to be a funder that represented about one-third of that budget. You could quickly see it being a challenging dynamic, and you know he was just very clear in the front end about what his role as a new funder would be, and was very clear about the way that he wanted to approach it and, you know, like really specific things. So we like literally had a conversation around how much he would be in the office and where our one-on-one meetings would be in the first year of the transition. And we both, you know, kind of quickly came to the realization that when we met, we would likely meet offsite and, you know, he would try to be out of the office as much as possible and would make sure that his visible presence was really thoughtful uh, because it was important to both of us that there was a clear internal transition, and that there was real clarity in terms of who was running the organization
0: so you laid out potential trouble spots I mean you got into some of those areas that could could be potentially challenging for both of you, and how how are we going to lead through that?
1: Yeah, for sure, and what was great is that you know he he was very proactive in asking me what I needed to be successful, and you know i, I think I think through our very close working relationship, I felt the ability to be incredibly transparent with them, and didn't feel the need to hold back, and that that really then formed uh, a strong working foundation for what our relationship would be like over the long term. And you know, I think what's really happened is that I've had the ability, you know, to continue to value the rich history and traditions of the organization while making very key changes, and not feeling like I have to look over my shoulder to think about what would the founder think of this, you know, really feel like I've had the freedom and, and the flexibility and the confidence from those around me to be really bold around not holding back when we think that some pretty big changes have to happen.
0: Yeah, that trust in the foundation that you and David built, sounds like that's given you a lot of confidence to move forward because you're on strong ground. Like you know where you're coming from. You know his perspective as well.
1: Yeah. And it just really helped with the internal transition as well. So I, you know, I, w- I was in a role previously where I was able to manage a large number of the folks on our team. So I did already have existing relationships, but there were a lot of folks who I hadn't, who I hadn't previously managed. And there were actually a couple who were my peers and, you know, really thinking through how do we position uh, me and, you know, how do we position the organization to make sure that we have 100% investment from our internal team? And at the same time, what do we do to project confidence and continuity and humility with all of our external partners who are so critical to make sure that we have the resources and support that we really need to accomplish our vision? And you know, I think a lot about how do you just build and maintain relationships over time? And many of those relationships that I was able to build both internally and externally prior to the transition uh, really helped me navigate this new role. And it was nice to be able to do that in tandem with the existing CEO, because that you know really provided a level of continuity.
0: Yeah, that in tandem, that's the key part there, right? Is that together, you identified how, it sounds like there's lots of stakeholders in this situation. And so in tandem with him, you identified how do we support and communicate and lead each of these different groups of people, which was, as as you've thought about as you look back on it now, was which of the stakeholder groups was most challenging, or or was was there any challenge with any of those stakeholder groups?
1: That's a great question. I think you know all of the stakeholder groups presented their own challenges. Um, I think that one group in particular that we took a lot of care and concern with, you know, clearly. So as a nonprofit, um, you you know need to develop in sustain strong relationships with funders over time. And we are an organization that is privileged to get resources from local sources and a growing number of sources nationally. And much of that is a testament to the work that's been done in the city for 20 years around education reform. But, you know, clearly making sure that we were managing those relationships really well and that we were very clearly articulating what this transition would be. In how it would go it was it was just critically important that we projected continuity and at the time we were kind of at the tail end of many of our grant cycles so I think in the year after I became CEO we had about 36 million dollars of grants to get renewed and had very little raised for uh, one year after I got the job so you know it, it was a very critical time to make sure that you are, Clearly, projecting continuity, and you are you know, kind of rapidly developing trusting relationships with funders. The great thing is that that transition went well, but I don't think it would have gone well if there wasn't a bunch of intentional planning on the front end.
0: Intentionality, and again, you doing it in tandem with the founder, right? That had to. I mean, if I I just think about like potentially funding an organization, and that would bring me so much comfort and so much reassurance that this is well thought through right, that they are going to protect, like, the history of where we've been and continue to evolve the organization. I, I just imagine for you, like, how interesting that must have been for you being a part of that. Gosh, the learning that happened, the opportunity, the relationship development that came out
1: of that. It is kind of, kind of looking back on this transition, you know, it makes me think about the mentors that I've had during my career and the um, the importance of making sure as you're, you know, trying to make the impact that you want to make and, you know, kind of working through new opportunities, what I've learned over time is that the most important thing, especially earlier in your career, is to make sure that you're working with great leaders and that you are kind of very intentionally attaching yourself to folks who can model what really strong leadership looks like. And I've just had the luxury throughout my career to be able to work with outstanding leaders. And I think a lot about when I was at the mayor's office, you know, I worked for a mayor who was a Marine for 20 years and who never should have been mayor. He, you know, nobody thought that he was going to win his election and he did. And it was amazing working for somebody that was able to set a clear vision and who was able to hire people that he thought were capable of achieving that vision and then the autonomy and the trust that he gave to his employees was just absolutely phenomenal. And I think a lot about how I was managed under Mayor Ballard and the responsibility and clarity of expectations and the autonomy and the accountability that I had. And it's very similar to you know how I was managed in MindTrust. And it's very similar to you know how I hope to lead this organization, to make sure that we're hiring great people, that we're setting very clear expectations, and that we're giving folks the autonomy and the support that they need to really effectively try to move the work forward. And, you know, I've just been incredibly lucky to be able to work with just really outstanding leaders over time.
0: Well, what an incredible leadership lesson to have emerged from that experience. Yeah, make sure that you're working with good leaders when starting a new opportunity. Yeah, because it's been modeled for you. And so now you have a great example, multiple great examples to follow. So for you personally, Brandon, when you look back on this transition and now, you know, you've been leading the organization for a, cu- a couple of years, what has been the thing that has most jumped out to you about this experience? Like what is your greatest takeaway from all of it?
1: You know, I I think a lot about so working in a mission-oriented nonprofit that, you know, has a critical mission to ensure that all kids in our city have access to a great education. I think a lot about movement building. And what does it mean for the Mind Trust to ensure that we are helping to create and really inspire a sustainable movement for change? And doing that with an organization that, you know, has a lot of influence uh, and has a good amount of resources and, you know, has some expertise to, to really move the work forward. But also knowing that, you know, as an organization, we have immense amounts of Real privilege in that we are doing our work on behalf of many kids who have been marginalized for a long time. And making sure that I, as a leader, and that the Mind Trust, as an organization, is working to empower our community to ensure that the true stakeholders in our community, which are the kids and the families that have been marginalized for generations, are leading this charge over time. And what I've learned is that that actually means that over time, you have to give up some of your control. And it means that we have to make sure that we're leveraging the institutional privilege that we have to empower other people to lead this work over time. You know, I think a lot about social movements. And to my knowledge, there's never been a successful social movement that has been exclusively led by those people who are not at the center of a lot of the injustices that you're actually trying to solve, right? Which means that me as a relatively privileged white guy, you know, I I need to make sure that I'm very clear about the privileges that I have and that I am using that privilege to make sure that we're transferring power to our community. Because if this work is gonna be sustainable over time, it has to be led by those that are most impacted by the injustice. And it's up to me as someone who has a lot of privilege to wake up every day thinking about how do I transfer power to our community? And how do I help be one person out of many that tries to create a sustainable movement? So I've learned that this is not a top-down effort. This is not about me. It's actually not about the mind trust. It's about the mission of the organization and how do we do everything we can to ensure that there's a sustainable strategy to actually achieve that mission over time.
0: So as a leader, I mean, you always go back to what is the mission? I suspect that drives you... Just as it did through this transition you've talked about, that drives decisions you make every single day.
1: Yeah, it's exactly right. Now we're all working from home because of the current crisis that we're in, but I have a whole bunch of pictures in my office of kids that I taught in St. Louis and you know, know all of their stories very, very well. And it's a reminder that when I'm having a hard day or when we're working through some kind of problem Um, You know, it's nice to be able to recenter myself and look at the eyes of those kids. And, you know, to make sure that we're continuing to keep them at the forefront of every decision that we make. And it's hard to do that sometimes, right? Because we're working with adults, you know, who all have their own agenda. But man, at the end of the day, when you're leading a nonprofit that is focused on giving all kids a great education, you have to keep all of those kids in mind and you have to have their individual stories at the forefront. Because if you don't, then you can quickly make what oftentimes end up being the right short-term decisions, but actually you're sacrificing what your long-term vision is. And, you know, I found it to be very grounding to make sure that I'm continuing to think about my kids.
0: As work is changing so much for leaders right now, you know, in the midst of this, this is in the midst of this really challenging time. I think that has something that has brought me a lot of comfort as I've been talking with other leaders is to not focus so much on the work but focus on the service that you're providing. That's a foundational piece that we can always go back to because the work is going to change because life has changed for all of us. But the mission, the big the big picture, like that doesn't change as much as the day-to-day.
1: Yeah, that's so true.
0: Well, this is so helpful. You know, this is uh this is a topic that we've not done on being at work. This one of what happens when you come into an organization that that has this this history and you know even though it was just since two thousand six you know you you like you said the mind trust had been in startup mode under the founders leadership and you're transitioning into the CEO role you know that's that's a big leadership transition for you and the organization and so the the three key takeaways that I'm have really gained insight from your story Brandon is just the way you talked about you leading through the transition in tandem with the founder. I think that, that for me, like set the stage for then the other things that you talked about. Then because you're doing it in tandem, there's openness, there's transparency, you know, you very clearly outlined expectations for his new role and for you through that process. And then he was able to nurture you. As you transitioned into the CEO role, creating experiences and opportunities. As our, as our listeners want to connect with you, Brandon, what is the best way to do that?
1: You can search for me on LinkedIn, which may be the easiest thing. Uh, Twitter as well. So I've been, uh, at the urging of our communications team, have been trying to be active on Twitter. And I will okay at it sometimes, and then I forget about it sometimes. But uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure that our communications team would love me to say Twitter.
0: So what's your Twitter handle?
1: B. Brown Indy.
0: B. Brown Indy. Okay, listeners, follow B. Brown Indy.
1: Oh, my gosh. I am going to be so happy, and my team is going to be so thrilled that you said that. Thank you.
0: And, Brandon, thank you for the work that you're doing. I so appreciate your heart and the care that you have for these kids, and you clearly are a missionally driven leader that's apparent from your story, so thank you for that.
1: I really appreciate that. And I just uh, genuinely appreciate the opportunity uh, to speak to you today. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.